Hello, everyone. Welcome to Business Casual, the weekly podcast of Poets and Quants. I'm John Byrne with Poets and Quants with my co-host Maria Wickvilla and Caroline Diorti Edwards. Caroline, of course, is the former director of admissions at NCOD and a co-founder of Fortuna Admissions, and Maria is the founder of Applicant Lab. So it's that time of the year again when people are starting to hit the submit button on their computers and letting fly their applications in round one. Harvard just had its round one deadline this past week. And now, like tumbling dice, they'll fall one after the other, and one school after another will have round one deadlines, some early action or early decision. And then, of course, we'll go into round two in January. Most schools have a round three. Some even have four or five rounds. So we want to talk a little bit about round strategy. When is it best to submit your application? Do you have an advantage if you apply in round one? If you apply in the largest round, which is typically round two at any given school, are you at a disadvantage? If you want a scholarship, should you apply in a certain round? If you're an international applicant, which round would be best to apply to? Is round three, you know, playing the lottery where the odds are basically impossible to get in? And if you are, uh, you know, a Johnny come lately and you apply in round three, what can you expect? So let's talk a little bit about this. You know, Maria, you have a lot of videos on your site because it's kind of like a do-it-yourself uh, application process where you help people along. I know you do some personal counseling as well, just as Caroline does. But I wonder, do you have a video on round strategy? Actually, just created one uh, that covers this. Yes. So what do you I have. Say? I say that I think the round strategy depends upon whether or not you are from an overrepresented group. If you are from the eager beavers, which are tend to be the consultants, bankers, and in many cases, Indian engineers, I do think that you need to apply in round one, mostly because those are the folks who have been preparing for this for possibly years. In the video, I've got a little picture of my son, you know, or of a son from, from when he graduated, I think from preschool. And so I put a little thought <laughs> bubble over his head, like time to start studying for the GMAT. Um, because I think some people really do start this process insanely early. And so I think those folks, since they, they know that they're going to apply to business school years in advance, and they, in fact, choose career paths that are more likely to lead them to business school, they're more likely to apply in round one. And my hypothesis is that if you're an admissions officer and you know that round one is when you're going to see most of the consultants, most of the bankers, et cetera, that you are, due to human nature, more likely to pick most of your consultants and bankers in that round. And, and the analogy I make is that it's like if you're if you're making fruit pies and you know it's peach season, you're going to buy all the peaches when it's peach season, right? And then you're going to wait till the next season to buy apples for apple pie because it's apple season. And so similarly, if round one tends to be management consultant season, that's when you're going to get most of your management consultants. So if you are from one of those groups, I do think there is a definite advantage to applying in round one. Aside from that, though, I do usually tell people, look, if you're just not ready to go in round one, even if there is a disadvantage to applying in round two, you have to weigh, is the disadvantage for round two worse than the disadvantage I'm going to get if I submit a really half-baked application? So the ideal is to submit an amazing application in round one, but if that's not possible, 
you submit a half-baked application in round one or a stronger application in round two, and all else being equal, I do tend to say, like, I would rather have you apply with the stronger application, even if it means that round two may be a bit more difficult, because at least then you've got a fighting chance. And the logic behind uh, the first advice, which is if you're a consultant or a banker, you should be applying in round one, because that's when the bulk of those apps come in, is that basically after round one, most of those seats are filled. So while no school admits to having a quota, just look at their class profiles year after year after year, within one or two percentage points, the same percentage of consultants who come in, the same percentage of bankers are from tech backgrounds. So basically, if the round one applicant pool is just chock full of consultants and bankers, you can assume that most of those seats are going to be filled after round one, right? I'm going to defer to Caroline, who actually did this for a living, as opposed to me <laughs> speculating and reading the tea leaves. But yeah, Caroline, what what's the deal? Well, I, I agree that, as you say, Maria, a lot of those candidates are applying early anyway, because they're on that track, right? And they often know well ahead of time that they want to apply to business school at a specific for a specific year. And therefore, they're often very well prepared. They've taken the test. They're ready for round one. And so definitely, those common profiles are more common in the earlier rounds. I think that there, so there is definitely, you know, overall, it's better to apply early if you've got, got that sort of common feeder profile. But I do think it's very important to, to apply when you're ready, right? And and it's still the case that too often all sorts of candidates with all sorts of profiles just rush things at the last minute. And even if you have taken the GMAT, you know, a year in advance, things can come up in the months running up to the round one deadline. You know, you could be staffed on a project where you're working 90 hours a week and you just, you know, haven't got the, the mental bandwidth to pay the attention that you need to your application. So I, I would advise candidates to, you know, not overly stress about round one versus round two um, for the top US schools. Of course, it's different, again, for the international schools, because they're often more rounds. But for the top US schools, you know, you should be looking at round one or round two rather than round three. But between the, those two rounds, yes, it's nice to apply in round one if you can. There are also other benefits to that, right? You get an earlier decision. If you don't get in, you've got time to figure out a plan B. You've got more time to figure out your financing, logistics, et cetera, et cetera. But otherwise, you know, don't rush it and and, and apply when you're ready. I would also say that, you know, there's a benefit. The benefit of applying round one is that it's a fresh season. And at that point, the schools will be making forecasts about you know, what they expect to see, how many applications they expect given their sense of the market and what they saw in the previous season and how they see things evolving. And therefore, you know, they will plan how many spots they want to allocate in that round one. But those, you know, and they will plan how they want to, how many offers they want to make round by round. But sometimes they might get their predictions wrong, right? And and so they can be it can happen that there's more of a squeeze in later rounds than they anticipated. So at least with round one, right, it's an open field. It's a fresh season. They're also, you know, they're bringing fresh energy to the process, right? They haven't already plowed through thousands and thousands of management consultants already that season. So so you've got the benefit of, you know, a fresh start in the process and, and therefore perhaps more consistency in the offer rates than you may get later on in the season. Because sometimes, you know, things change during the season. I mean, look what happened 
in spring last year. Schools weren't expecting to get a surge in applications at a, at a at a at the end of the season, and then the pandemic hit. So things can change as the season moves on. True. And do you think the accept rate in round one is higher than it is in round two, which is typically a larger round? So in general, schools will try to keep the offer rate fairly consistent across those two rounds. My impression, though, in the last season was that the the offer rate was higher in round one than in round two. So we at Fortuna, we saw candidates getting more offers in round one than in round two. And I think that that was unusual because it was such a strange year. And schools were very concerned about, about the volatility in the pool, how things were going to evolve. They had been stung in many cases with lower yields, right, um, right. In, in the previous season because of the pandemic. So they were overextending themselves on offers because they were concerned that yields might be weak again. But then that didn't didn't happen. And so I think that in the previous, so last 12 months ago, I think um, it was definitely easier to get in round one than round two. But that wasn't a normal year. And I don't think that the schools necessarily want to, you know, they, they don't want to be admitting people in round two who they would reject in round are admitting people in round one who they would reject in round two, right? Because, I mean, it's really the interest of the school to take the best from the whole pool, not just, you know, admit a bunch of great people in round one and then you're turning away people later on who are just as good, if not then, if not better than some of the people that you that you accepted earlier. So they are trying to juggle it so that they keep the competition fairly equal. But- you're right. I mean, lately, this has been really weird because of the pandemic. So. In the incoming class at Cambridge Judge, and I'll just point this out because this is an amazing fact, 28% of this year's incoming cohort were deferred students. So let's think about that. If you (laughs) applied in latter rounds at Cambridge Judge, what was your chance with 28% of the class already filled up because of deferrals? So you got to know that applying early had to be an advantage to you no matter what at at a school like that. And there are a lot of schools that had fairly significant numbers of deferrals. I mean, Harvard had so many of them, in fact, that it enlarged the class and admitted the largest class in its history, over 1,000 people. So it is a little bit wacky. And then then you have the, the uncertainty that exists today with the Delta variant surging in the U.S., the economy is still somewhat strong. Companies uh, increasing pay of people to hold them uh, longer or to recruit them so that the job prospects for highly promising young people are quite good, actually. So it's, uh, it's a very uncertain picture. And I think uh, that, that's why it's hard to really predict at any given school at any given time, particularly now, exactly how it's all going to play out. Let's look at MIT. Last year, MIT in round one had a 95% yield rate. And they went out into the market and they essentially admitted that they had in round one admitted well over half of the class. And now, Caroline, you heard something rather interesting recently about MIT in one of their admissions webinars. Yeah, so a colleague had attended one of the school's webinars and one of the staff mentioned that they advise candidates to apply in round one rather than round two. 
which I, I thought was interesting because normally the schools aren't that pointed about That's true. Um, uh, guiding candidates towards an earlier round. I mean, they, they're often uh, quite open about round three being being very tight. But right. not Stanf- so, Stanford not- discourages people from applying in round sure. three. Uh, but you're right, no up. one discourages anyone from round two because that tends to yeah. be the biggest round. Yes, yeah, yeah. So so I thought that was interesting. I mean, I, I think that it's it, it's really better for the schools to just remove the stress round one versus round two, right? And because at the end of the day, it's better people apply when they're ready. It's better for the schools to keep the level of competition fairly equal across rounds so, because then they're getting the best of the pool, not the best just from one round. And, you know, don't pressure people to feel that they have to apply, you know, essentially 12 months in advance before going to business school. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be a disaster, right? right? Um, so, you know. So that almost sounds like you're in favor of a rolling admissions policy kind of like Columbia Business School has after the early decision deadline. Well, I mean, at NCAD, you know, we we have four, we created four rounds and of course there's two classes per year. So there's eight rounds per year, Right. Um, you know, with the goal of giving people that flexibility so that, you know, they can apply when they're ready, when it's the right time for them, when they feel best prepared. And also understanding that often candidates are, applying to multiple schools and therefore they're trying to manage the timing right it's very tricky if you if you apply if you're applying to one school and then the others the deadlines don't align and then you know you're you're having to make a decision on an offer from one school without knowing the outcome from another school so it's helpful to the candidates to have multiple rounds because it just gives them that flexibility to apply when it's the best time for them and when they can sort of, you know, most effectively manage the process and the decisions on their side. True. Why do you think Harvard only has two rounds now, Maria? I think because round three was a waste of time for everyone. <laughs> so I just feel like yeah. you're 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 going to get, you know, you've already probably got the class. Like all of these schools could easily fill their classes three or four times over. True. with the people who apply. So it's not like, oh, we're hurting for people like, oh no, are we going to have enough people interested in coming to our school? Of course they do. So I just think, you know, why extend things out? And then what if somebody does get in in round three, but then, oh no, I haven't, I my student loan wasn't approved. My visa wasn't approved to move to the, and of course, a lot of the schools are very open that if you are international, you do need to apply in an earlier round. But even then it's just, it feels like a lot of work for not a lot of payback. Yeah, I mean, I I always used to think that Harvard was actually missing out on some very good candidates who'd be going to rival schools by eliminating a round three. I I guess that's probably not true because it's now been, what, four years since uh, they've dropped round three and have gone with two. And uh, the accept rate is the same. Their yield at 89 and 90% every year is pretty much the same as well. And then you even have, you know, the wild card two plus two candidates who ordinarily don't really come after two years of experience. It could be anywhere from two to five. So that's a bit of a wild card filling up seats in every single cohort at Harvard Business School. But obviously, the dropping of that round three hasn't hurt them one bit. Now, at NCAD, with with the four rounds twice for the two different intakes, eight rounds, Mm -hmm. Are there rounds that tend to be bigger? Like 
at NCIAT, is round two, as it is at most U.S. schools, the bigger round or not? So the earlier rounds are bigger. Round four is typically a bit smaller, but the first three rounds, it, it varies. They're, they're all large rounds, and then there's a tail off in round four. So that, that, that's the way it typically pans out. And it's true that I think at all the schools, the quality, the average quality of candidates in a final round is generally a bit lower right, than the quality in the earlier rounds. So that's also why Harvard probably dropped their round three mm. um, because they weren't seeing the same quality of candidates coming through in that final round as they were seeing in round one and round two. Right. And so the offer rates will definitely be lower in the final round, but that's also partly because of the quality of the candidates in that pool. What do you see in terms of scholarship offers? Do you see that a higher percentage of people admitted in round one get scholarships than those admitted in latter rounds? Well, it depends on the school, but I think, you know, if you're looking for scholarship support, then definitely you should apply earlier rather than later. And some schools, you know, specifically direct school candidates to do that, to apply earlier rather than later. They're looking for that, that financial aid. Yeah. And just like seats that run out, money runs out. Yes. I mean, I've, I've sat in, uh, you know, scholarship award committee meetings uh, as an observer. And, you know, the, you get very excited about the round one candidates you're seeing for the first time for that new cohort. And you might be a lot more generous to make sure that you lock them in and they don't go elsewhere. And suddenly, you know, when you go into round two, you know, the treasure chest of, of money to induce you to come is significantly reduced, no matter how well you plan for it. So that is that is definitely true. The earlier you apply, the more likely I think you will be in getting some scholarship help. And for internationals, the earlier you apply, the better it is because you've got a lot of paperwork and, and details to take care of to get a student visa to come to the United States, to plan here, to get housing and just get settled. And if you've never been to the United States or have never been to Europe, if you're coming from another part of the world, I think it's helpful to get there early and just just get that cultural transition underway before you actually have to go into a core curriculum and face the most demanding part of an MBA program. In terms of the, the rounds, do you think that, in fact, I mean, I mentioned before that maybe it sounds like rolling admissions is even better, but the truth is people respond to deadlines. And for both of you who assist and hold the hands of many candidates every year who are applying, I would imagine that a deadline is a useful tool to get the stuff done. And I'm not talking about, you know, those hurry, crazy, frantic nights when uh, people are churning, churning, churning to meet a deadline. I'm just saying a date in the calendar when, you know, everything is due helps motivate and organize you in a way that a rolling admissions policy wouldn't. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it's also helpful to have the decision deadlines, right? I mean, it's nice yes. for candidates to know, okay, if I apply by this date, I will hear from the school on this date if I'm getting invited to interviews. And if I interview, then I will hear by this date whether I'm admitted or not. I love uh, so, schools that do that. And I it really, it's a pet peeve of mine for schools that don't. 
Now, I wonder if the schools that don't do it just don't want to, uh, you know, hold themselves accountable for a deadline because there are schools that tell you, okay, we're going to notify you on this date if you're going to get an interview, and then we're going to give you your final decision on this date. And I, I like the, the certainty of that. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, takes a, it takes stress out of the process for candidates because, you know, they, they know when to expect to hear from the school and they're not sort of, you know, checking their email or the, their phone um, every minute of the day for, for, for several weeks, right? They know when they need to pay attention to messages. And, you know, and you know, this is an obsession. All you have to do is go on any of the community boards at GMAC Club or Reddit, and what you'll find there are people who say, hey, is there anyone heard yet from blank? And someone will say, yeah, I just got on the wait list. Or yes, I just got. And then someone will say, well, I haven't heard anything. Does that mean I've been rejected? (laughs) The the conspiracy theories, the conspiracy theories that people use to try to rationalize what is what I'm assuming is a pretty wise, pretty much random. Like, okay, I'm in the Pacific Northwest and I work in biotech. And so what does that mean? And it's like, come on. (laughs) So, so you know, what's what, our bottom line uh, advice on round strategy? Maria, what is it? Apply as early as you can. Realize that if you are from a feeder group, as Caroline so eloquently put it, that you, you probably should apply as in round one. But even then, if you're going to you know, submit a half-baked application in round one versus a more robust one in round two, I would tell you to overall go for round two, because at least you might get in, you might have a slight advantage for submitting early, but you might negate that advantage if your application is sloppy. Right. Caroline, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And and then I would tell candidates, you know, I, I do think people stress too much over this and over sort of, um, you know, reading the tea leaves on the perfect timing. And it's impossible to know for sure how it's going to play out, right? Because you might find that, you know, in the end, the offer rates might be higher in round one or versus round two or vice versa. It it plays out slightly differently um, every season. So at the end of the day, you know, apply when it's the right timing for you and, and you know, get prepared early. And, and you know, the longer term view you can take of this, the better. I mean, the other thing that we haven't talked about is that, of course, the, the benefit of applying early is if you don't get in, it gives you more time to apply to other schools. True. If you wait until round two to apply to any school at all, then you might find yourself coming up short for the season, right? So there is a huge benefit in applying for round one because you you have the useful information <laughs> whether you've got into some schools or not and whether you need to apply elsewhere. Because I, I do think sometimes, you know, people underestimate, or they're sorry, they overestimate their chances of getting into schools and then are surprised when, you know, they apply to two or three schools in round two and they're taken aback that they don't get in to one of those schools and then and then they're disappointed that they have to you know effectively wait another year right i mean and i'll throw another wrench into this too i'm assuming that if you apply to a really top school this is where you really have to try to get into round one if you're ready and and are able to basically put your best foot forward but what about a second tier school uh is it all that necessary to apply in round one probably not Although if you apply in round one to a second tier school, they'll feel like you really want to go there and your chances of an admission might be quite high. What do you say to that? 
Yeah, I, I do think sometimes round two can be tricky in that the schools may be wondering, are you applying because you've been dinged elsewhere? Right. Um, <laughs> are we really your number one choice? How motivated are you? Or you know, because no one wants to be sloppy seconds. No one wants mm. to be the backup plan, right? right? And I think that could be difficult for candidates to sometimes communicate that motivation and make that come across clearly. Because for sure, you know, all schools are seeing in in round one candidates who are more specifically motivated for that in that school than in round two in round two people start to sort of throw out scattergun applications in desperation because they haven't got where they wanted in round two and so schools are left wondering okay is you know which pool do you fall into are you applying because you were genuinely motivated and round two was absolutely the right time for you to apply or are you applying now out of desperation because you didn't get into you know harvard stanford wharton in round one so, so you do need to, I think it's even more important to communicate your motivation for the school in round two because of that dynamic. Absolutely. All right. So for all of you out there, there it is. You, If you are ready to put your best foot forward in round one uh, and that deadline is coming up, do it uh, and give yourself the opportunity to uh, apply in round two in case you don't get what you want in round one. Uh, meantime, by applying early, you know, the more seats in the class are going to be empty. Uh, more scholarship money is going to be available. And uh, I think there's a general belief that the best candidates tend to apply in round one. So I would think that the admit rate is slightly higher in round one than it is in subsequent rounds at most schools. But that can change according to, you know, the season, uh, the quality of the applicant pool at any given time, and all the other external trends out there, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the economy, job prospects, and whatnot, uh, all have a factor in this. So Caroline and Maria, thank you once again for all of your insights. This is John Byrne with Parts of Watch. You've been listening to Business Casual, our weekly podcast. 